0: Beautiful. Oh, okay. Welcome to the stream, guys. I'm just going to add our last panel guest um, for tonight. Uh, work through those. And oh, doesn't that look beautiful? We can see all of our lovely economists there that were otherwise sort of covered up. Okay, cool. So um, for everyone that's uh, that's watching, thanks for tuning in. To uh, I think it's the third video that we've done with this sort of new um, sort of setup where we uh, we have a sort of a panel of uh, people that have um, sort of particular skill set, uh, or have shown a particular interest in uh, the topic at hand. In this case, it's the topic of do we need recessions, which is really a pretty wild and out there one, I suppose. Uh, And we're going to use this as a platform for conversation as opposed to what we used to do, which is more of a public forum, which uh, worked well, but unfortunately um, got a bit to the um, kind of reckless and wild side when everyone was just sort of throwing things out. And it wasn't really conducive to a good discussion, which is at the end of the day, what we're kind of really here for. Now, um, before we get into um, too much and we start with the the introductions, which will be the first uh, sort of cab off the rank, I suppose. we will um, sort of be opening, uh, extending an invite to, to anyone that does want to participate in these sorts of um, Q and A sessions. Now, obviously, um, people in the past, especially on our Discord server, have been really, really active and uh, have really sort of engaged with, uh, you know, talking about some fantastic questions and having some fantastic discussions. Uh, and to those sorts of people that that do really engage with the kind of content uh, and want to to be involved, uh, certainly we're opening it up. And you know, obviously, our hope is. Um, that you have some kind of unique point of view or add something to the discussion that, you know, hey, um, even someone like myself wouldn't do. Uh, and it's all about hearing or, hey, you know, even maybe um, arguing with a, a differing range of opinions at the end of the day. That's what we're, uh, that's what we're sort of here for. Now, um, to do that, I just sort of say, uh, obviously, either reach out on Patreon if you, if you are a patron. Um, you guys get first priority. If not... Uh, Reach out to one of our Discord uh, moderators or uh, staff members if you are on the Discord, and they'll make sure that you kind of get uh, a place on the panel here so that we can have uh, a new and diverse class. Not that you guys aren't great, and obviously the discussions have been good, but uh, hey, you know, if we can sort of mix it up and and talk to a diverse range of people that, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe even don't agree with some of the points that I make, um, it's all sort of for the best, right? So, uh, with that out of the way, um, a we no, want no, to
1: note on that uh, if you are interested in joining the stream, we do have a uh, sign up. Uh, you can also m- message uh, me directly. So if you are, are on the Economics Explained Discord server, I am Captain Locke. I am a senior moderator, so you can you feel free to ping me. Okay.
0: Beautiful. We have we have systems in place to make sure that everyone. Um, yeah, everyone can get through if they um, you know uh, you know want to. So uh, with that out of the way, now obviously a few familiar faces that we've already sort of um, had on on the last uh, sort of two streams, Matthew and Captain Locke. Uh, probably need no introduction, Matthew, uh, a student of economics, Captain Locke. Uh, master's in finance and, uh, and, a, and a very, very good teacher who uh, has some really, really uh, interesting opinions that he can really sort of back up. And I'm sure you guys have all seen that quite frequently. Um, I think that's why he's as prolific as he is over on the Discord server as well. Um, but we do have two guests that weren't, um, weren't properly introduced in the first video and also a uh, second guest that hasn't uh, been on the uh, live stream before, which is exciting. So I'll start with you, uh, <laughs> the Supreme Leader, Xi Jinping, uh, to, to properly introduce yourself, give us an idea of your background and sort of where you come from and, uh, and what your sort of thoughts on this whole topic are.
2: So, my name's Xi, I'm a student at U- uh, University of Queensland, doing a Masters of Economics. Uh, currently, um, my background is mostly in microeconomics, uh, game theory, and regulation. Um, as opposed to my idea and the topic, uh, I agree with E on most things, but uh, in certain aspects I do disagree. Um, that's about it.
0: Beautiful, and I think that's really important. It's uh, if everyone agrees with me, then, then we're not going to learn anything. So I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to shouting at you. And then Addy, uh, just to sort of briefly give us a rundown of uh, what you're doing
3: here. Um, so I just have some different views on some things. Some of them are the same. I'm here mostly to learn things, but I'm a bio major, so this is not directly in line with all the normal stuff I'm you know, handling, but I feel like I have some unique perspectives to shed on stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think that's certainly a huge takeaway here as well. Um, unfortunately, our economists think we're the only people that can do what we do, uh, and realistically, people from the outside often add a fresh perspective because uh, oftentimes I find, especially us economists, we get... Uh, you know, we bury our heads into a rabbit hole of some strange curiosity and we don't really look at the big picture of what it is that an economy is supposed to do. Uh, and that's oftentimes, especially you uh, microeconomists like like you, she, uh, I feel like um, you'll probably put your hand up to being guilty of this. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, we we, we spend our entire careers on some economic triviality and we don't realise that, oh, you know, actually to the wider economy, this doesn't mean anything at all. Um, yeah. And I think <laughs> in terms of topics, obviously today has been, um, you know, do we need recessions is probably one of the most diverse ones. I think I don't think I could have asked a more um, I, I don't think I could have asked a more big picture question apart from do we need an economy? Um, because you know, realistically, it's probably just one level down from that. So uh, yeah, you know, you're going to have to get your head out of the microeconomic sand, I suppose. But that's okay. I, I'm, I'm a microeconomist by study as well, so I, I feel you. Yeah. Now, um, with that out of the way, what we'll do is, uh, as always, sort of address some of the questions. Um, some of the questions that have been presented to us over on the YouTube video, which we think are of particular interest. Um, in the YouTube live stream, obviously, the comment section there, if you do have a question, um, we, we try to get around to them. And of course, over on Anti Scored server, we have a list of questions where people can reach out and ask those as they see fit. Um, just so uh, we've got a nice diverse range now. Captain Locke's normally the person to go to for um, for this. So uh, without further ado, Lock, go and go and find us
1: a, a good question. Well, the first first thing is uh, we need to change our topic. It is the Belt and Road Initiative.
0: Oh, it does say the Belt and it Road does. Initiative. Oh dear, uh, my my banner has has failed me.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: All right, we'll go find a question anyway. I can. Well, oh, this comes sorry. from.
1: Somebody pinged me directly. Uh, this comes from F.M.G. Gnomes. I, I, no, I don't know how to pronounce this person's name. In uh, the video it was said that the recessions are the consequences of prosperity. I would argue that recessions are a consequence of unstable growth. What are your thoughts on this?
0: Can you take it away while I, am, um, while I am changing the banner and then I'll,
2: I'll come back to you? Uh, well, it could depend on what you mean by unstable. In the sense, I'm sorry, I, re- I misread that. Unsustainable growth. Unsustainable. Uh, um, anyway, yeah, there's. Uh, you could say well, there's uh, fickle supply chains. Uh, you could also say that the risk hasn't been properly assessed. Um, there, there are many different ways where you can explain that, um, but I wouldn't say recessions are just based on that um so yeah unsustainable growth maybe um slightly too broad maybe unsustainable expectations
4: there has to be some problem with uh, entrepreneurs if they don't expect to you know you made the example that one year there's a lot of car sales but the next there isn't so i would just expect entrepreneurs to us to like do their job and realize this kind of thing? Yeah. I, th-
0: I think it's 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 a really good question because um, it's one of those things where it's really important to ask if, if they are sort of a necessary evil or if it's, uh, hey, you know, if a, if a recession comes around, is that um, the result of some particular failing of policy or human nature or our financial system or whatever it may be? So it's important to really um you know, ask those sorts of questions because we can't really take for granted that these, you know, w- what must be recognised as terrible events come around and there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, so with that, I'd say um, whether it's a, a, a result of prosperity or whether it's a result of unsustainable growth is is kind of, uh, the way I'd answer it is, is quoted by sitting on the fence and saying potentially it's a result of both. The way economies work is, um, is normally... Um, just given the way that industry structure, the supply chain projects, um, you know, five year plans, things of that nature um, tend to sort of pan out. Uh, we tend to find that growth is um, stronger over the long term if we do something akin to basically uh, you know, really rushing through a, a period of, of innovation, uh, a period of prosperity to you know, massively sort of increase our quality of life and then kind of taking a break. Uh, and I suppose, in a sense, these recessions are, are sort of us taking a break uh, from that mad push to growth. It lets our economy sort of go, OK, well, all right, you know, some things are working during this boom. Some things aren't. Some things have gotten out of whack. Some things are going really well. Some things have maybe not got the love that they were supposed to get. Um, so, you know, look, In, in I would say uh, in the last 10 years, obviously, things like technology companies have been huge drivers of, of wealth and growth and prosperity Um, in in our modern world, and, you know, obviously, a lot of them have delivered really great genuine value. Uh, Amazon, for example, is probably a company that most of us have used um, during this this sort of lockdown because it has some really, really good uh, facilities, and it does provide uh, a genuine quality of life improvement to you know, the people that utilize it. Say what you will about, you know, Jeff Bezos and you know workers' conditions and all that sort of stuff. It, it's a good service. It, it does it does incre- increase our quality of life for those of you that, that use it. So that is where a lot of wealth has been generated. That's where a lot of wealth has gone. Um, and that's sort of what's driving a lot of this sort of growth in recent years. Now, I would hazard a guess that um, this kind of downturn might be sort of a reallocation of that, where everyone sort of takes a step back. <gasps> takes a big breath and goes, okay, um, cool, you know, tech companies are obviously, you know, delivering a lot of wealth and prosperity. um, But have we sort of neglected, um, you know, have we kind of neglected some other industry that might be able to deliver more prosperity by just focusing on this? Um, There's a lot of talk about you know the the kind of crazy crazy world that is silicon valley and and tech startup uh venture capital and you know just how misallocated funds are in in areas like that where you know anyone with some harebrained scheme and a and a drone can can go and get you know 20 million dollars in uh in venture capital funding because you know people sort of see it as as an area where you just can't lose money and we have corporations like WeWork and uber um, that don't even have plans for, for profitability It's not like, you know, uh, Amazon, where it's like, okay, we have a 20-year plan for profitability. It's like, we don't have any plan for profitability. Now, I would say a recession like this might really shake up that kind of market and go, hey, you stupid, you know, tech company, either turn a profit or or cease to exist. An economy is here to provide value. And if you can't provide value to all participants in your market, um, you shouldn't exist. And potentially, hey, you know, the hundreds of billions of dollars that are allocated towards an Uber or something like now can be reallocated towards something that will provide genuine wealth for our nation or genuine wealth for our world. So I think that's one of the key um, takeaways here is it does kind of go, you know, by force oftentimes, and it's seen as a really kind of bad thing where, you know, these companies go out of business, um, but sometimes it's, you know, to a big picture is sort of a healthy thing to do that, you know, things that are a dead weight, that are fat, they kind of die off um, and are replaced by, um, you know, something that is going to be a better use of our resources. Um, and that's that's how it works. Now, uh, long term, the idea is that that means that we have uh, a, you know, a sort of steeper growth trajectory. Um, we, we grow faster, even though it's a bit more unstable, we're, we're better off. The way I sort of um, used to explain it to to very entry level students back when I used to teach um, was this: it's sort of like uh, you know if you are trying to get to um, I don't know if you're trying to to run to the beach or whatever it may be if you're trying to get from your house to the beach and let's say it's uh, you know ten kilometres away it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hike right you know pretty pretty steep kind of task now you have two options to kind of get there you can uh, you can sprint. But realistically, you're going to crash and burn and you're going to probably never make that 10 kilometres if you're like me and you're a big fat slob that uh, hasn't moved at all during this quarantine. Uh, the second option is, of course, you could walk. You know, you could walk the entire way. It's pretty consistent. You probably get there and it might take you, you know, if you're walking 10 kilometres, uh, you know, I might take you two, three hours and uh, realistically, by the time you get there, you're probably pretty puffed, but that's okay. Um, or the third option is you can kind of jog and then take a little break. You can jog and then you can take a little break again, and you can jog and you can take a little break again. If it's a light, you know, nice jog, it's a little bit faster than a walk, but not as fast as a sprint. Um, then you know, realistically, that's probably going to be the quickest way to get there. Um, and you know, you you think yourself. Well, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right, uh, and the same is ultimately true. And of course, it's extremely anecdotal, but the same is ultimately true for an economy. Uh, if an economy is, in, you know, in a massive sprint where we're growing ten percent year on year, um, unless you're going through a growth phase like a developing nation, it's like, okay, cool, you, you can do that for a little while, but but eventually you're gonna you're gonna get a buildup of I don't know lactic acid. And let's call lactic acid the analogy for for shitty industries. Um, to really really stretch this analogy. Um, and eventually, you're going to sort of, it's not going to be sustainable. And, you know, you, what you're better off doing is just taking a sort of a more conservative approach where you do still sort of take these little breaks. Um, and, you know, obviously implement monetary policy and fiscal policy correctly to make sure that you're, you know, you're not running too hard or breaking for too long, um, but you just kind of maintain a nice, healthy pace overall. So that's an interesting way to visualize it. I don't know if that adds much to the actual sort of underlying mechanic. Yeah. I don't know if anyone yeah, you, just pretty answered, you just good pretty good
1: much answered like everything I was going to say, <laughs> like took everything like, uh, I don't say no.
3: I think maybe there's some other things to think about, right? Like your example of tech startups, like, yeah, they, uh, creating a profit is important, but also there's like, is situations where creating a profit isn't like the actual goal of the thing, but still provides value to the like consumer, I guess, like um, healthcare, right? Like that, uh, the community healthcare centers and stuff that's not always going to provide a profit, but the like social benefit, so, generally speaking, benefit. Yeah, yeah, like psychic profit, mm, like but it's not gonna maybe on the balance sheets look profitable, right? So yeah, that's one way to one thing to consider, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's an interesting dynamic it adds to it. And um, um, look, obviously, uh, I think it's it's certainly worth considering. Now, for the sake of my uh, analogy, apologies for being a, a cold-hearted capitalist, um, but. It, it, two things that must be recognised there is, uh, yeah, when, when you're talking about things like uh, community centres, non for profits, um, you know, community healthcare, uh, stuff of that nature. Um, of course, they're not entities that necessarily have a profit motive. Um, they still need to be financially viable. Uh, oftentimes, you'll find that you know these things, unless they're sort of subsidised by some kind of charity income or um, or you know government funding. Um, they they can't you know just be burning through money. They still got to at least break even, and, and normally that's what, what they target is, is a sort of a break even kind of level of operation. Um, but also uh, in, in comparison to the wider market, the wider economy, they're a relatively small triviality. Um, when you sort of look at most industry, most sort of functions out there are uh, are designed to be a. Um, a profit center. You know, they're designed to be something that does generate profit. And if they're not generating profit, you have to really ask questions. It's like, well, are they just starting up? Um, are they just not viable industries? You know, what is it that's going kind of going on here? Um, because, uh, at least in a very sort of generic look at you know, um, you know, general economics, the idea is that if a if a company is producing a profit, um, then it is. You know, sort of adding some sort of value uh, somewhere in it, in, somewhere in its operation. If it's not, well, then what's going on? Uh, but yeah, I think that's a really interesting uh, dynamic that that's gets added. Uh, it's interesting how many people um, that come onto the Q and A streams work in some way in in healthcare. Uh, Compound Daily, who who comes on here occasionally as well. Uh, from the other side, of it, um he's not sort of working on the ground floor like I would imagine you are, Eddie. But he's uh, like an investment banker that, that deals with community healthcare, um, as I suppose his primary industry that he looks after. And it, it is it is remarkably interesting. I I'm not brave enough to ever make a, a video about the economics of healthcare in the United States because my god almighty is that just that's just too complicated I, someone like i feel like i can do a phd on that subject and barely scratch the surface um but that's all right uh all right cool so that was a really good question um i like that one now uh look go and find us another one
1: nope has he uh, is he okay he is
2: he's, he's muted. muted himself so
1: oh yeah i was <laughs> talking while muted my bad
4: yep, that'll do it. i
1: literally read the question off uh and nobody heard Lovely. it so let's do it again <laughs> so this comes from justin denton on youtube uh what what can a recession accomplish that we can't expect from a healthy economy to do on its own
0: yeah that's a really really good question um what uh, recession accomplishes that we can't—at um, you know, least from the way I sort of see it—that we can't achieve on our own. Uh, there are uh, sort of a few things. The one is really in one sort of fell swoop, um, really force people to look rationally at what it is that is that is giving value, um, and kind of rinse out, um, you know, institutions that are. Um, they're running and, and, and sort of uh, essentially been like a stealth drain on the economy. So I think that's um, that's a big one. The other one is uh, when we're talking about things like uh, inflation. Inflation is is one of those things that's really, it's hard to control with a sustained boom uh, unless you take some really rigorous, you know, uh policies to to make sure that you kind of control for for everything. Uh, And especially when we're talking about inflation, I'm talking about inflation in uh, not necessarily consumer goods, sometimes they're, um, you know, sometimes they are kind of outside of the scope of it, but more so in things like real estate, Um, real estate, Uh, speculative markets as well as employment. So I made the point in the video when we sort of look at at, at economics, we study the the non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment. Uh, And that's a really important thing that happens during recessions. Now, if we have um, a sustained boom, two things are going to happen. Um, We're going to have lots and lots of jobs going around because everyone's making lots and lots of money and bringing on board lots and lots of staff to facilitate this new and wonderful, wealthy economy that we've got going where everyone's out buying lots and lots of things and we need lots and lots of people to facilitate those lots and lots of purchases, right? Sounds great. And it is. Uh, It is fantastic. But what you sort of see there is there's not a lot of people that are unemployed. So people aren't desperate for jobs. Uh, And that means, and that sounds like a good thing to, you know, like, uh, especially someone who's probably, to be honest, a little bit more left-leaning like myself. It's like, yeah, you know, power to the people. Um, But the disadvantage of that, especially when you kind of get really, really low on unemployment is uh, if people aren't desperate for jobs, then, you know, a few things happen. One, uh, people become less efficient at their work. They sort of go, ah, well, you know what, I'm just going to kick back a little bit here and, um, you know, sort of not try my hardest because... Uh, it's really hard to fill someone in my position. There's uh, just no one that applies for it. Uh, or, you know, I'm in a role that's in incredibly high demand. Even if I get fired from here, I can just walk down to the company down the street and I'll probably get hired again. So the people feel, um, you know, really safe in their work. Uh, so they know that they can probably put in like 50% and, you know, realistically, they'll be just fine. Now, um, obviously, that's not optimal, I suppose, for an economy. And the other thing is they can start to demand higher wages. They sort of go, oh, okay. well, look, uh, a company down the street is is hiring a new senior manager. I'm just a regular manager at the moment. Um, I'm going to go to them um, because I know that they're going to struggle to fill that position. and, And I'm sort of the closest thing that they have. Either you match the salary that they'd be giving me there or I leave. Uh, and now that company would be in a bit of a predicament as well because they go, oh, well, shit, you know, if we lose uh, if we lose Captain Locke here, um, well, I mean, we're going to really struggle to fill his position. Uh, you know, maybe he does a role in the company that no one else does. I'm going to need to, um, you know, I'm going to need to play ball. And maybe I do need to pump up Captain Locke's salary by 50% and, and call him the senior managers just so I don't, I don't lose him. Um, and that... All of this, I'm sure, to to average people that are watching sounds great, right? It's like, whoa, you know, cool. We don't have to work as hard and we get paid more. This is a win-win. But, of course, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, What that means is that things start costing more because, one, people are producing less output, adding less value, and costing more while doing it the other third, um, um, sort of, I suppose, and there's no real delicate way to put this uh, impact, especially on employment that a a long-term sustained economic boom has, is if we have really, really high uh, employment, then you kind of start to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Uh, Now, there's no real way to say this, and I'm really hesitant to, I have to be really delicate with my words here, um, but when there's nobody... To, to fill roles and especially when you're looking for something like let's say relatively entry level, uh, you know like working in a warehouse or working in retail or working in uh, you know hospitality or things like that, you know more more you sort of entry level professions, um and, and and you know anyone that's got any kind of semblance of, of a degree or or maybe even a high school diploma or or no criminal record has already found a job that that's sort of slightly better than that, um you kind of have to start to look for people that may not be uh, you know the most optimal sort of case in the professional world um, those sorts of one or two percent of society that kind of makes up the hardcore unemployed portion of our um, you know population and 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 again you know I have to be really delicate with how I say this because of course you know there's there's a lot to be said that hey maybe those people are marginalized or, or whatever it may be but um, but the, the crux of it is they're less efficient workers for whatever reason it may be, through faults of their own or, or, or otherwise. Uh, and that sort of compounds the problem that you're gonna have a lot of these workers that are charging higher wages to produce less output, uh, which means that you are going to realistically generate less actual value for your economy. Demand side economics is fantastic because it's really easy to measure and, and, it, and it helps a lot with with alleviating the business cycle. Um, but remember, if you're costing more and producing less in an economy, that's a bad outcome. That is a very bad outcome. Your your GDP growth might seem great on paper because there's inflation, um, but if you're producing less phones and cars and computer screens and gamer girl bathwater and whatever else it is that you value, um, that's a bad outcome. An economy's role is to produce uh, increased living standards for its consumers and a long-term sustained economic boom uh, oftentimes uh, alleviates actually producing anything uh, and, and substitutes it with just making things cost more. The same effect is also true for things like real estate, Um, particularly, it's a a very, very strong speculative market. And if people sort of see a long, sustained economic boom, they're like, oh, this is a win-win. I'm going to get myself some real estate. Isn't this fantastic? Um, I can't lose money. I'm going to get a tenant in there. And that's great. But especially when we're talking about commercial real estate, that adds to the expense as well. Now, businesses are suddenly having real estate that's more expensive to rent or to purchase and their staff are costing more. Well, they've got to pass along they either um you know they either work with less land and labor and produce less output or um they just pass that extra cost along to their consumers uh, as inflation and you know more expensive goods being traded around can look great on gdp figures because that's how gdp is calculated um but in reality if we actually have less as a society that's a really really bad outcome now that was so an incredibly long-winded way of answering that question i have uh, i have, a sorry,
1: I I have, ask, I have yeah. my own question to add to that so we often the key uh, component of all of this is profit maximization. And so is it, do we have to have profit maximization? I know that's, that's a very uh, obvious question. Like, yeah, as profit maximization seems, you know, to be efficient, but uh, in, in this case, when we, especially when the, uh, cause there's other questions that we're going to get to in a bit talking about, do we actually need recessions and, you know, really getting into the meat of this uh, question. Uh, I would like to put forward now that, you know, maybe profit maximization is a thing that we should strive for, but ultimately it might not be uh, fully achievable. Um,
4: Uh, What do you mean profit maximization? Should we pursue profit maximization?
1: I'm sorry. I'm I'm probably, I've made, I've messed up my question. Uh, Sorry, it's early in the morning for me and it's uh,
0: that's all right. Thinking about it now, I, um, I, I love this. So, um, Actually, just on the YouTube comments, uh, we can sort of see that people are are real angry about my thoughts on an accelerating income rate of unemployment. And to be honest with you, uh, when I was learning about it in school as a you know as a card carrying bloody socialist, you know, um, power to the people and vote for Bernie Sanders. And and, and look, to be honest, I'm still sort of left leaning. I I tend to agree with that rationale. It's like what you're telling me. I have to you know that, that we want people to just sort of sit around. We want people to be unemployed. We want people to be on this sort of treadmill of um, you know, making sure that they're always watching the back and, and, and kind of really putting their, their face to the grindstone and, uh, Hey, uh, you know, at, at, from a humanitarian or a social perspective, uh, maybe not from an economic perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. We want to, we want to ring the maximum value we can out of people. And a lot of that means that, you know, Hey, um, I have a bit to lose, I suppose. Um, I time. one awful, of things the things that economics
1: could really benefit from is kind of a, a, incorporating more of, um, these social uh aspects especially with asking you know should we really let human capital just sit there um in the case of like they could be doing something right we have to find that something for them yeah Yeah.
0: and it's it's a it's a really um it's a really interesting sort of uh philosophical argument i suppose um because you have to think it's like okay well look i mean um the non-accelerating income rate of unemployment theory is—it's um, it, something that I do subscribe to. I do believe it to be genuinely true. The fact that you know, if you employ everyone, of course, it leads to inflation. Most economists agree with that sort of theory, uh, and then here's this sort of philosophical argument. It's like, okay, sure, we can—we can employ everyone. Uh, we could probably do it tomorrow. It's going to cost us a lot, and it's probably going to slow down our economy. Uh, it's probably going to lead to an un- inflation, but we could get every. Every sort of, um, you know, anybody that uh, kind of can can rub two brain cells together into some sort of job, hypothetically, but um, that's going to lead to less genuine um, growth in the economy. That's going to lead to less genuine wealth being created for the participants in the economy. And you have to ask, uh, is it worth those? You know, maybe those two to 3% of uh, of society just sort of sitting there, you know, probably a little bit marginalized, maybe sitting on welfare or or not working. Um, Is it worth them sort of being there for the greater good of the other 97%, which are sort of productive members of society? Uh, You know, keeping in mind that we do have to like like clarify the the difference between
1: like cyclical unemployment and unemployment because of friction.
0: I'm talking about normally when we're talking about the non-accelerating income rate of unemployment, we're talking about people that are um, like when we're talking about people that are going to be slack labor, like, you know, labor that's just sort of sitting around and we kind of have to scrape the bottle at bottom of the barrel. Ah, I see. We're, no- yeah. we're normally talking about uh, the real hardcore unemployed. I'm talking about two tooth Steve with a meth addiction that, you know, hasn't had a job in 20 years and, uh, you know whoever it is I, I want to be really delicate because obviously there's there's some people that are in that sort of situation because they can't work you know they have a mental disability or a physical disability yep. and i feel like we all like
1: know that. somebody like that um and i've i've wondered about this uh, myself of how to engage these uh, types of people uh to get them you know working and like contributing to society because the other side of that is if they're just sitting around doing nothing like that's not maybe the best life that they could be living hmm. like we kind of want them I don't want them to be, you know, sitting at home or in their trailer park or have like being surrounded by like a very crappy life. Well, let's be honest. If you're, if you're in, uh, if you're, if you're not really working and you're living off of like, you know, uh basic income, uh, you're probably not in the best, uh, situation. Like, uh, your, your home is probably not the best type of home. Uh, your the food that you eat is probably not the best type of food. Uh, the, what you do on a day in day out basis is, uh, it's I would I don't want to describe it as pathetic, but I wanna describe it more as I look at it and I'm just I wish I could Wasted like, potential. give them I wish I could give them the life that I've lived. Like I would yeah. I feel like they would enjoy the life I live. Uh Dog. and so
0: yeah, you have too much of a soul to be a macroeconomist, Which is uh, actually, I want to, I want to, I want to hear uh, she's thoughts on this. Um, obviously, sort of maybe from a more microeconomic perspective, but uh, just around sort of the unemployment theory, or, or you know, sustained prosperity leading to um, negative outcomes in society. What, what, what? Are you, where do you land on this whole argument?
2: So. As far as it comes to mo- like nearly any input, when you're making nearly any production model, uh, nearly everything has a diminishing return at some point, point. Uh, and that's why the uh, narrow theory really holds up in the macroeconomic view as well. Because again, if you're constant, if you're trying to push like employ everybody, like you say, you are not fully using everybody's potential, per se um even even with your best intentions so w- when you reach the point of diminishing returns of any input be it capital or labor uh, you're you're going to slow down your actual uh, economic output compared to the actual cost um and that's uh, most firms tend to try and find that point where they you know they try and maximize that and then a lot of firms always always, always get it wrong um, there i don't believe there's a single business uh single industry market that there is a efficient market right now and that's always been the case and that's the one of the only issues where i tend to disagree with ee on the idea that uh, during recessions it helps trim the fat um, simply because it's the uh, best way to describe it is if you had two companies uh, both having 50 percent market share say nike and adidas um then let's say adidas through no fault of their own drew the coronavirus they went bankrupt uh yep. then post uh, virus nike is remaining with 100 percent of the share now nike hasn't changed anything to do with their production they've not increased technology output they have now more artificial market power, essentially, just due to the fact that the coronavirus happened. That's not them being any better, you know, making shoes, making clothes, um, but it can be. Um, it, but in so that's that's the one issue with the narrative. It on a macroeconomic view, it does tend to hold up. But when it comes to certain industries and certain markets, the way that they function, it can have adverse effects.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah and I think that's uh, that's a fair that's a fair point. Oh, sorry, go ahead, She. Oh, sorry, uh, Matthew, is that you saying? Uh?
4: I mean, uh, the fact that one went bankrupt and the other didn't obviously shows that one did something better than the other, right? There's more savings, more capital.
2: Yeah, like but in terms money, of so... output, in terms of yeah, output. But... Which most economists are concerned. Of. I don't. I don't subscribe to the fact that output is the only thing that should be considered. Don't worry, but yeah, certainly, yeah. It, it's just that after the virus, then the Nike or the winning firm would have one hundred percent of the market share, which then they can exercise market power, and when monopolies tend to produce less and effectively you've killed an entire industry just due to the fact that, you know, one firm has been able to exercise its again, market power.
4: The company um, that went bankrupt, released its capital and stuff like that. Work yeah. And,
2: and they might be able to be reintroduced into say Puma is reintroduced into the market. Um, and then they compete at a, another price, you know, in fact. but again, depending on how markets are structured, um, you could have, uh, things such as maybe, you know, uh, what's, what's that Virgin Virgin airlines. If they go under technically before the virus, they, they might have not been doing anything wrong that, you know, they still flew profitable route routes. They did nearly everything. Correct. They were highly leveraged. And I don't believe they deserve a bailout in any, any stretch of the imagination, yeah. but, I would I like a bailout do.
1: because then I get money for the bonds that I would have bought. <laughs> um, like
2: selfish reasons aside, the
1: selfish <laughs> reasons aside,
2: yeah. But yeah, the way certain markets are structured, as well, and as it attains to labor markets as well, is very right. When you have a, like a sustained, pro, uh, sustained um, growth, you do see uh, tend to see union. Uh, membership increase as well because it's like oh the unions getting me all this nice extra money or well, no it's probably just because of the macroeconomic you know factors are concerned that you have more market power um, as a labor force um, and then that tends to build on itself and turn into you know a prefer- uh, self-fulfilling self prophecy where oh unions help me get wages I join the union and then you know turn downturn it, it can get very messy. Um,
0: yeah, and, and I think this all actually leads us on pretty well. I'll, I'll ask the question just so we don't spend too long on it uh, to our next question because I'm aware um, of a sort of set time limit on the uh, on the the Q and A stream today as well because uh, Mark has to go and and he helps run it. So, um, which is actually this. So I'm going to put it on the banner down below and see if it works properly. Uh, there we go. Uh, do recessions cause a reduction in competition by consolidating large companies and allowing them to uh, cherry pick the best candidates uh, and also sort of dominate industries? I suppose. Oh, so now I really we're already that one next. So. Yeah, we're we're already sort of discussing this. I suppose. Okay, and I may we well just sort of throw the question up there. Um, obviously, she sort of sort of half answered it for us, and uh, in a sense, yes, it, it does. Um, and that's on a macroeconomic level. That could be because of one of two things. Um, it could be just simply because, um, obviously, monopolies are bad. They're bad outcomes. We don't like them. But um, it could just be because a larger institution just inherently happens to be a better economic vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, to it, it might be, able, it has more economies of scale. It can tank sort of a recession because it has more cash. Uh, it's just sort of a, a bigger, beefier sort of institution that can kind of get through these sorts of uh, situations. Well, you also
1: you do presume that they have cash on hand. Not yeah. all of them do, yeah. but the, 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 large scale, the large scale of this, even if they don't have cash on hand, allows them to weather uh, the storm. Um, and they can oftentimes, yeah, fire people. But the, the key thing about these large institutions is that they really benefit from the fact that they're institutions uh, and they have uh, in place a lot of uh, the structure. Uh, so, you know, sometimes they you can lose people and like ca- and like people are really the structure that holds it together. But in some cases, the structure is more of tech. It's more of like uh, think uh, like actual infrastructure uh, that holds it together. And so, you know, infrastructure isn't replaceable, but the people who operate it can be replaceable. Uh, so larger institutions can weather the storm that way they also benefit from just you know the scale the sheer size of of them uh and their ability to to be much more efficient than your smaller firms Uh, however that's not always the case there everyone can point to examples oh a smaller firm here's how it's more efficient in this one capacity okay great but in the grand scheme of things like that one firm might have you know an advantage in that one particular area but when it comes to the grandiose the, looking at the giant picture larger firms tend to be much more efficient uh and, yeah. and as a result tend to be much more profitable
0: yeah and also i'm mean, I, the other thing i would sort of say about this um is is oftentimes you know uh we we have a bit of a like sometimes a bit of a hydra syndrome in um you know these these sorts of situations where uh, perhaps some market leading institution that's uh, dominated the field for decades Goes out of business, and that opens the you know that opens the floodgates to some smaller, um, more boutique operators that kind of do the same um, same sort of thing, um, but better or in a more sort of niche way. So it doesn't always always it, it primarily goes that way where you know it kind of knocks out the smaller competitors, but sometimes it just knocks out the the big headed, uh, and you know you know ten or fifteen little sort of smaller industries sort of grow up in in the place of. Uh, that market that was previously dominated. So uh, it's also important to remember it doesn't always universally kind of go just towards, you know, big companies getting bigger and, and smaller companies getting wiped out. But uh, in general, it does. Now, an interesting thing, um, actually, the Jesus Insider, <laughs> what a name, um, uh, added to this. And I think it's really important when we're talking about large companies is uh He asked, uh, in the future, we might also see more computers, machinery, AI, et cetera, filling entry-level positions. Uh, Would you expect unemployment in the long term to remain stable? So this was kind of semi what we were talking about in the last question, but also as it relates to this question, pretty important to consider as well, Uh, because normally these larger institutions have more uh, capital. And when we're talking about things like... uh, you know, uh, economies of scale or productive efficiencies uh, or even being able to, um, you know, sort of get through these things and produce cheaper items. We're talking about because they have significant capital and machinery, computers, uh, all that sort of stuff is just another type of capital. And I think it's a really, really important one, the role that that AI plays or, you know, let's just say sort of the, the general march to automation plays in uh, keeping the, the pressure on employment... Um, as well as, um, you know, delivering sort of prosperity. Uh, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that, especially you, Shi, because yeah, Willow or whoever well, wants
4: to speak up. Can I?
0: Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead while she's collecting his thoughts.
4: Uh, I mean, we expect the technology booms to benefit smaller companies because, of, like, big companies are slower and more uh, bureaucratic. I would rather, can I come back to the question? Yeah, I would like to talk about the earlier point because in 2008, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. who failed? The like the big big banks oh, yeah. failed in 2008. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but that was more of, bailouts, of their
1: operations, not because of oh, anything we, exclusive like within that, their nature. Uh, go on, yeah,
4: that I just you know, everyone does something and has internal operations, and it just so happens that the big banks failed because of how they worked in in this recession. Yeah, so. I would think that smaller companies would benefit more from a recession if you didn't have bailouts and stuff like that. That is interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah that's an interesting dynamic to add to it as well. There's always sort of some kind of complication that gets thrown into the mix, uh, and especially bailouts as it relates to big uh. businesses is, is the big one there because uh, normally, unfortunately, smaller businesses, you know, small medium enterprises or sole traders or, you know, uh, you know, people just start starting their own little business. They uh, they don't get the same kind of, of love from the government during these sort of more turbulent times as as major institutions that, you know, employ tens of thousands of people, um, purely maybe because they just don't have as much lobbying power and, and also because they don't have as much, hey, you know, if we go out of business, uh, we're going to take some massive function out of society, like air travel or banking, or maybe you're just going to lose, you know, 20,000 jobs and that's not going to be terrible. Yeah, yeah,
4: I just find it interesting that, you can think of bailouts as government take, giving these companies free insurance, and then then you see how they become more competitive and will grow larger over time but They get like
0: if yeah yeah them, so. and maybe maybe uh, recession is just a really good way of them sort of clearing house of all these little little competitors that are nipping at their heels. They get a big bailout <laughs> and everyone else just sort of dies off. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you can a, see, like...
4: Uh, Go on. yeah
0: yeah it's kind of like uh, I don't know. A, I kind of feel awful using the analogy but it's like chemotherapy it's like it's going to hurt them a lot but it's going to hurt uh, all of the nasty stuff that's kind of getting at them even more and uh, in the end they're going to be better off for it um, oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm not proud of that analogy. Probably not the <laughs> best.
1: Probably not the best analogy there. Oh.
0: But uh, but you know, it it still sort of uh, ultimately stands true. So yeah, I think it's an interesting one. Um, and this also sort of goes on to our next question. And sorry, it's speed round. Uh, we are getting. I short. would I uh, would just
1: uh recommend oh, go ahead. To continue this conversation elsewhere on your own time for all the uh, listeners. There is a good uh, podcast by NPR, uh, it's on Planet Money. Uh, it's episode 995, take note, uh, it's called Buybacks and Bailouts. And they kind of touch on uh, kind of the conversation that's uh, going on here. And if you're more interested in, in talking about, uh, you know, who should be bailed out or shouldn't be bailed out, uh, you know, I would, I would recommend that, like that's a good place to like start listening to this kind of stuff. It's by no means, it doesn't cover everything. But if you're looking uh, out there for stuff, uh, take a look at it.
0: Yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, Actually. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The new question. The new question is um, this. There we go. Hang on. How good is that?
1: Recession Uh, proof industries. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Recession proof industries. So this is a really interesting one. And I'm not sure who asked it. Someone on the YouTube live stream. So thanks for that. I don't know who it was um johnny matthias it looks like yep. okay perfect. cheers yep. cheers thanks for that uh so this is a this is a really interesting one as well and i suppose it's probably a topic of of um sort of keen interest to uh, a lot of budding investors and stuff like that out there uh especially amidst all this uncertainty um hey you know what is it that's kind of gonna keep on chugging along outside of um you know uh the the doom and gloom that's in the world today so uh i don't know does anyone have any particular thoughts run us through it uh
1: i do help out on that question yeah go ahead yeah so when i initially looked at this question i was thinking to myself okay what's what are some recession-proof industries and it's been forever since i've actually been in an econ uh class you know you get the list of oh here are all the you know types of firms that uh tend to hold up really well uh like things like i'm just calling off the top of my head like firms that produce food and sell food. So long as it's not a famine, you know, it's uh they're, they're going to continue to sell because people need those. But then the more I thought about it, uh, the more I was, uh, hesitant to throw out any one of them, because, uh, for instance, I was actually thinking, well, Amazon right now is doing really well, or not Amazon, uh, Netflix is doing really well, almost recession proof. But the, the key thing is they're, rece- they're, they're benefiting right now because, of the lockdown, so got me thinking about like the, the types of recession going on. What is uh, where is the what's driving the recession? Where what is causing it? And then thinking about uh, what could possibly benefit uh, on the on the flip side. So in this case, Netflix and any other streaming service is likely benefiting because uh, people are staying home, people aren't spending as much, and they want to. Uh, they have uh, some additional uh, uh, income to, or those who can, uh, spend it are, you know, they're not going to be shopping around as much. Uh, and then well actually, some of them are, you know, Amazon has been, uh, has been one of these consistent, uh, firms that is, is, I don't know if they're doing well, I haven't looked into them, but I mean, they've been hiring quite a lot of people, uh, their operations are still growing and expanding. So it seems almost that they're recession proof but that's only because of the context or the what is causing this recession.
4: They're just specific recession proof.
1: Right. Yeah, so they might not be recession proof at any other time.
0: Yeah, yeah. in a sense, uh, if this was a normal demand, if we were in the 2008 mortgage crisis right now, uh, where people are still allowed to go outside and see family, and I don't know, uh, interact with people in the real world, um, there, there's obviously sort of two forces apl- happening on on uh, a company like Netflix at the moment. Uh, obviously, there's the force that people are, are are trying to cut back on their budgets. You know, they might have lost their job, they might be unsure about their jobs in the future, and they're trying to save a little bit of money, uh, and that's probably you know having it's just as much of a negative impact on Netflix as it is on any other business out there that's kind of a little bit more on the discretionary side. And Netflix is a discretionary expense. It's it's entertainment at the end of the day. You could kind of do effectively the same thing, I suppose, with YouTube or or whatever it may be, or, you know, push came to shove, pirating movies, you know. Or hand shadows, know.
1: you know, if you're really.
0: Uh, yeah, if you're really, really desperate. Uh, not, not that I could condone in this kind of uh, activity, but, you know, I'm just saying as, as, as a hypothetical. Um, now, um, obviously that's... that is probably going to be negatively affecting Netflix just as much as it is positively, uh, sorry, just as much uh, as any other uh, industry out there. But of course, um, all of that is, is massively outweighed by the fact that now people are stuck at home. They're bored. They've got nothing to do. So, oh, yeah, I'll go re-subscribe re-sub, to Netflix or, you know, hey, I wanna, I've always wanted to watch this this TV series. I, I finally got time to do it. Yeah, no worries, I'll, I'll buy Netflix, even if it's just for the, you know, three months or whatever it is that we're in lockdown. Um, and I would, it obviously, in that particular case, the positive impacts of, of that sort of side of it have massively outweighed the negative of people trying to be a little bit more prudent with their spending. Um, so I'd say Netflix is probably one of those things where, uh, realistically, I would say it is one of, the least recession proof industries you know if you think about people yes. um that let's say have lost their job and in any kind of normal situation you know they've lost their job they they're out of work or you know they're a bit unsure or they're trying to save a bit of money because they're not sure if they are going to lose their job or lose a few hours if they're casual or whatever it may be What's the first thing they're going to get rid of? They're going to go, oh man, this is twenty dollars a month or whatever it is, something ridiculous these days that I'm paying to, you know, three different subscription services now. I've got Stan, I've got Netflix, I've got Hulu, I've got Disney Plus. I'm still paying for Foxtel. Um, yeah, just 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 can it. Um, you know, that that saves me two hundred dollars a month that I can then you know save or you know just kind of it, it gives me a little bit further to paying rent or whatever it may be. Uh, it just so happens that the the positives of this pandemic, I suppose, uh, have massively increased it, which is a really kind of weird, um, a really kind of weird case study, I suppose, if nothing else, uh, of how you know different forces apply on um, a a company, um, and and yeah, uh, as it specifically I, relates to this question. So go ahead.
3: I suppose. Um, oh, I just want to say
1: I do have to go, so it was oh, good to yeah, be
3: see
4: see you guys.
1: No, no
3: worries. Cheers, Locke. Uh, Thanks for all the all questions.
1: Right. Yep. Bye-bye.
3: I, s- I suppose some of the question is, though, whether um, profit is equal to value, say, right? Because if you look at something yes. like education, then that's obviously not going to be affected by a recession in the same way. I mean, it still could be if you're like looking at for-profit universities or something like that but um like that provides value but it doesn't provide profits in the same way that a like
4: Uh.
3: other company would do and like netflix say like that still confers like some value at all times but people just don't have the money to spend on it when they've not got money like it's not worthless but it's not necessary to survive
0: yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting one, and obviously that that's sort of an example of a, a public good, in a sense, right? You know, education in many ways is is kind of like a you know it's public good. Is it is it a right? Is it something that should be subsidised for the benefit of of um, society as a whole? Uh, but um, I think in this kind of case, uh, it's, it's one of those things again where it's like. You throw in this this very abstract kind of of product, I suppose, in education, right? Um, And it kind of makes all of our models fall apart because it's kind of outside the the realm of what we've usually kind of looked at.
4: Oh, well. I don't think that the value can ever be equal to income, right? Because value is subjective.
2: So I'd say um, majority of the time, if you want a recession-proof company, just look at the Maslow hierarchy of needs and work your way up.
0: There it is. Yep. Yeah, uh, she yeah, sort sort of smashed it out of the park with exactly what I was going to look at. If you're uh, looking at recession-proof industries, uh, you need to look at the industries that keep people alive first because uh, realistically, I think those are the ones that people are going to keep on paying for. Uh, if, you are, if you are, if you you know, uh, even if you've lost your job, you're probably still going to pay for food, water, and shelter if you, if it's at all yeah, possible. Well,
4: so. How prices drop dramatically during the recession, right?
0: Yeah, but uh, you. when we're talking about sort of shelter, um, – we're talking about very, very, very basic, uh, very, very basic needs. Yeah, and I think maybe shelter might be one of those ones out there because uh, it, it's one of those sort of very base-level human rights, I suppose, that we do speculate on. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, make of that what you will. Um, but outside of that, yeah, you're talking about grocery stores. You're talking about, you know, people like water providers, um, funeral services curiously enough, are a big one, uh, which is quite unusual. But uh, yeah, it's things that's like, okay, well, look, I mean, there's no real way about, yeah, there's no real way to get around these sorts of things. We kind of got to keep on, keep on paying for them. Um, They're they're kind of like one of those things. And then of course, they're more frivolous. Yeah. Healthcare. Uh, And then sort of obviously towards the more end, like, you know, the more frivolous expenditures uh, are the ones that are not quite as recession proof. Beautiful. Cool. So look, um, uh, sorry, go ahead, Shane.
2: Oh, I'd just like to uh, make a, just a little thing. Uh, love and belonging is uh, under self-actualization on the Maslow hierarchy of needs. So definitely keep that uh, Gamer Girl water uh, stock going and uh, uh, get rid of that Netflix stock.
0: Yeah, there we go. Uh, recession-proof industry right there. Gamer Girl bathwater. water. Where do I invest? <laughs> oh you have a fan on uh YouTube live uh, George Najjar says you're amazing she so so well done oh, thank I you very know. much yeah yeah, absolutely. I sure do. All right, cool. So look, I'm going to take uh one last question um before we kind of wrap it up. It's it's relatively late here for well, I'm assuming both myself and she uh on a Monday night uh as well. So we need to get to bed because otherwise uh, you know our day jobs are still productive members of society. Um so we uh maybe don't have enough time uh, to go over everything, but these were some amazing questions, and I would encourage you—shameless plug—if you didn't get your question answered, go over to the Discord server, ask it in economics chat. Um, someone will probably uh, either have an intelligent conversation with you or, or shout about how um, I don't know, uh, laissez faire capitalism is the best, and uh, you know, one of those two outcomes. It's it's all it's all good fun either way. So, um, as for the final question, um, yeah, uh, so. This is this is a really interesting one, and I think it's probably going to spark a lot of debate here. Um, let me just get it up on our handy dandy um, little. Uh, there
4: we Something. go.
0: Yeah, handy little. little uh, okay, uh, how effective would improved social security nets be in allowing further innovation and increasing efficiency, given that employers would know? what well, would no longer sorry uh, would no longer <laughs> be able to uh, demand uh, wages from um, their, their uh, employees so so how how uh, effective would it be in uh, effectively like releasing the ball and chain I suppose from from people in a society uh, especially during times like this um, in getting them to go out and uh, innovate or, or create something of value or um, you know supposing uh, the yeah, not, not 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 not. So, like, let's say if we have the next uh, Nikola Tesla or, or Thomas Edison or or Einstein or Da Vinci or something living in our midst, but um, you know they they have to go to work at Walmart for seven ninety five an hour because you know they got rent to pay. Maybe they don't get the opportunity to be um, you know brilliant innovators that return genuine wealth to society. Um, and maybe that's sort of a lost opportunity. So the good question is sort of how would a, a safety net sort of uh, liberate those people to, to realize their potential. It's really interesting. It's not super related to depressions. Do they need to exist per se? Um, but it's so, heated. I, I just want to ask it.
4: Well... This, this, I'll let you go first, Rafi. Yeah. You can't really know whether, how it would work because you'd have to know, like, the alternative. You'd have to know, you'd essentially have to have a, time machine and try it twice see what happens she can't be yeah dumb.
0: well I mean maybe uh, maybe you need a time machine to see what happens or maybe you just look at a nation that has sort of a very limited social safety net and then look at a nation that has a very strong social safety net and see what the difference is in between those um, so you can just sort of look at two, two examples in parallel uh, of course you know there's, there's some other um, variables that you can't really control for perhaps, between a few, um, uh, a few nations, but yeah. that is still something yeah. that is worthwhile. Now, the two examples that I would give um, are um, perhaps the United States, because it's probably the one that's most familiar to people watching. Um, you know, everyone, everyone knows sort of the situation in the United States. Uh, and then Sweden. Uh-huh. So obviously, probably, you know, in terms of social security, on two pretty different ends of the spectrum um now in the united states obviously social security it's there it exists you know it's going to make sure that people don't die if they get unemployed probably um but it's very 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 basic people do not want to be on social security because uh, you you exist you don't live um it's very very limited it's um, you know, you're certainly not going to prosper by any means uh, or any stretch of the imagination on, on American welfare in, in most states and it's, um, you know, something that people do try to avoid at all costs. Now, uh, in Sweden, on the other hand, they legitimately have systems in place to liberate people to specifically do this. Um, you know, they have systems where if you want to go and start a business, um, they'll give you seed capital and they'll give you, um, you know, you know a living sort of expenses. Uh, for for the duration of while you're sort of trying to start this business, so uh, the benefit there is of course people kind of feel liberated to do so. Um, uh, a lot of the the drawback, I would argue, uh, a lot of what's stopping people going out and and acting on their million dollar idea is a sense that ah oh, well you know look I have the next I have the next great idea for a a Tinder mix with Netflix that will uh, I don't know. Bring people's dogs and and photos of food together uh, in one easy app. I don't know, and and maybe that's that that I'll be able to market that for venture capital and become a billionaire. You know what? <laughs> Crazier things have been funded in in Silicon Valley these days. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, but people might go, oh, well, you know what? Look, I'm I'm probably going to need to you know um, quit my job. I'm going to need to go back to school, learn to code, or or hire a developer to do that. I'm going to lose my health insurance. It's a big jump. It's a big risk to take. Um, and and I'm going to have to, you know, if it all goes, if it all fails, like, I mean, I've just lost, you know, two or three years of my career. Uh, I maybe won't be able to get a job again or, you know, and in the meantime, I'm going to, you know, have to live on welfare. I'm probably going to have to dig into my savings if, if I have any. Uh, and that's a, that's a good scenario. So a lot of people, I would imagine, um, go, you know what? Uh, it sounds good, but it's just too risky. I would rather not do it. Whereas in yeah. Sweden, they don't have to worry about that. They go, okay, yeah, sounds good. You know, hey, maybe my quality of life is going to be reduced a little bit um, from when I'm working full time, but it's still, I'm still going to be healthy. I'm still going to be able to enjoy my quality. Um, I'm still going to enjoy my life. I'm still going to be able to go out and, you know, have dinners and all that with friends. Um, and, you know, I get to enact on this idea. Now, of course, uh, in Sweden, though, if your idea is profitable, if your idea yeah, does make you a million dollars, you pay a shit ton more taxes on it. Now, here's my question. Do you think the idea that you're going to pay a shit ton more taxes on your million-dollar idea is more of a roadblock to uh, developing innovation, or do you think the fear of making the initial leap is more of a roadblock to innovation in our modern society? I'd be really interested, uh, starting with you, Artie. What, what are your thoughts on it?
4: Uh I mean certainly like uh, people think that there's I mean I'm going to get taxed so I'm not going to do it but then again you can just leave the country of your business that's what happens with a lot of invest, invest in like entrepreneurs in those countries they just leave for countries with course. dollar taxes
0: yeah, that that does happen. Um, you know, IKEA is a great example of that. the the The, the founder of IKEA famously lives in Switzerland. Um, you know, so to make of that what you will. Obviously, that's that's not an ideal outcome. But um, on the like, when you're looking about small medium enterprises, a lot of them are um, you know topical to. Um, you know, a, uh, you know, an individual nation. So it might not be something that's particularly transferable. Maybe it's something that can only exist in Sweden. Maybe it's a chain of restaurants or, a you know, an auto house or whatever it might be something that's probably a little bit more, more localized. The issue of capital flight is a big one there. Um, and, and effectively sometimes you're subsidizing innovation for some other nation by having this, um, you know, kind of policy for innovation. Uh, but, uh, Outside of that, uh, I'm talking about it as an individual, on an individual level.
4: Yeah, there's probably some hidden risk because you're just trying to, like, you're subsidizing the risk-taking, which, mm-hmm. you know, you subsidize building roads to somewhere, then you're going to get more roads, and doesn't mean that's economical. It doesn't mm. mean that's economical to take all the risks possible when you should not take them and just stay at your job and, like, improve at working or something.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's a great, that's a great um, thing to add to it as well. It's like, Hey, you know, uh, for every, everybody that does uh, create the next, um, I don't know, sliced bread or uh, light bulb or whatever it <laughs> may be, um, you're going to have someone that that's making, you know, you're going to have 20 people that are making, you know, products that are completely dog shit. Um, if anything, you know, having that kind of, maybe that slight barrier to entry in, in entrepreneurship, having yeah. the, the need to, to take a bit more of a risk um, means that people are a little less hasty with making these decisions that might not be super well thought out. Um, that's a really interesting. Yeah, that's I, a really interesting. Expect ad
4: people to about. think in co- sunk and cost kind of way. You know, You're I think, yeah, know, the harder ones. They, you know, it's their savings.
3: Yeah, I like that actually. So maybe there's like some value in considering though, like by get like the start of investment the like this policy gives i don't think it's like that huge that it's too significant right like it's kind of like investing in education or something like you probably earn more overall i'd assume from having like more innovation driven by this than one or two failures and then they just have to go back to their job but given that there's no like real change in their like because i'm pretty sure the policy involves like being able to go back to your job after you've had a go right could be uh,
0: well the, the the employer doesn't guarantee it but the idea is that you're not going to be you know financially devastated by uh, by taking that plunge
3: right yeah okay. so if you're not financially devastated even if it goes south you're in a better position to go back into like a job of that level than you are To go back into like a low wage job, which you might be forced to because you're so desperate to find work straight away after like having lost your business venture. If you're in, yeah, I mean, more like
4: I don't know, I don't know if that's the case. Somebody tries to start a business that shows initiative at least, I don't think, yeah,
0: that's the other thing as well, of course. I mean, it's obviously it's difficult to, um you know, sort of control for for all the variables there. And um, hey, you know, some employers will say, Oh, look, you, you quit your job, and you went to start a business. And what, what was your business? Oh, this, this sounds crazy. And they'll look down on that. Because uh, you know, they want people that are going to be there, you know, put their face to the grindstone and a, a kind of a good little worker bees. some companies like it, some companies don't, it, it's hard to say, I'd say in, in general, though, um, quitting in the middle of your career to go and start a business is going to be a net negative in most
3: instances. I feel like maybe it's not just that to consider, though, right? Because by giving a safety net, like, the innovation there, like, maybe it's not worth it. But if you've got, say, 85-year-old Dorinda who loves her job and has been here for 70 years, you might not feel so bad firing her if you know that nothing's going to go wrong for her because she's left her job. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there might be, especially for small and medium-sized businesses more like ability to just get rid of inefficient employees without having to worry about the social like disentent. yeah
0: i mean I, I would argue that's that's obviously a very social argument rather than a, an economic one and also um for a lot of these a lot of these businesses don't really have a soul like that but um good on you for for, for assuming the best in humanity i suppose um I and I uh <laughs> i don't, and she did was there anything that you wanted to add to this because i think it's uh, yeah
2: so, in terms of uh, if, if uh, I'm a small business owner, am I going to take this risk? Um, I, I don't believe the barrier is going to be the idea that I have to pay more tax. Uh, I don't think anybody reasonably fears success. Um, you know, if you get to the point where you have to pay a 40% tax and you know that cuts into a large portion of your revenue, and then you can move to a different country, well, you've at least made a successful business, at least in the short term. So you have contributed something back to society within that time frame. So the capital flight argument is, is solid and it does happen, but during the period between the startup and the period where they can financially and it's financially viable for them to move out of the country, they have still created, uh, you know, sub industries within you know that that kind of because again no business operates in in solitary um, if uh, ikea small firm uh, has to purchase raw materials from somewhere that lumberyard can then reinvest uh, their revenue and it does it eventually uh, have a sole benefit to society so the capital flight is is an issue but it's not the worst issue The worst issue is like what raf you said where you're subsidizing risk um if you've got a society that's you know um i don't know if if they just have some weird thing for fish and they just you know put frozen fish everywhere and you got fish on the roads fish everywhere and you've you've destroyed the roads because you've created too much fish something like that i don't know some weird scenario like that and then yeah you can have adverse effects but like what uh, addy said usually that uh you can subsidize risk to a certain extent and then have a benefit from that that's what a insurance is well, it depends on how you look at insurance do you think as insurance as a cost or do you think it's a revenue protection
0: yeah i benefit. think I- yeah, I think that's... Um, I'm not sure about the fish analogy.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I was trying <laughs> to think no, of a weird I was,
0: really, I was really interested to see where you were going with that one. Don't uh, <laughs> no uh, <worry>. Okay. <laughs>
2: well, I um, wanted a scenario where you're just destroying the local economy because you've got like, yeah, some yeah, no, weird think, thing I mean, where you've taken enough. way too um, many risks. Yeah, no,
0: I, I can kind of see where you're going with it, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure anyone else did. but uh, that. There yeah. You- <laughs> anyway. I I, yeah, there you go. All, all of that aside look um, that that's all we have time for it well, all I have time for tonight um, guys so um, thanks to everyone on the YouTube live stream or on discord that was sort of watching um, I hope you you enjoy these sorts of uh, these, these new format uh, and thanks of course to all of our panelists that have sort of really added a lot to these sort of conversations it's it's really really fantastic and I think this is working a lot better than the the mad mosh pit of of Strange questions that we would get over on our on our Discord live streams. Um, you know, not that they were bad, but I think this is much more orderly. So, um, a huge thank you to to everyone involved. Uh, if it is something that you are interested in 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 being, so anyone watching at the moment who wants to to be a panelist, um, please uh, reach out to to myself. If you're a patron on Patreon, you can do it that. You you get priority to to do it. Um, or if you are a member of the Discord server, which is super easy to join, and you definitely should, uh, reach out to any of the staff, and they will be able to put you on. Um, so long as obviously. you not troll and, and you have something productive to add to the conversation like uh like all of these lovely people did. So uh without further
1: ado I'll I'll let you all go and uh have a good night, guys. Cheers. Cheers.
4: See ya.